0: Welcome to the Good Listening To Podcast with me, Chris Grimes, the podcast series that brings you The Clearing, where all good questions come to be asked and all good stories come to be told, and where all my guests have two things in common. They're all creative individuals and all with an interesting story to tell. There are some lovely storytelling metaphors, a clearing, a tree, a storytelling exercise called 54321, some alchemy, some gold, and a cake. So yes, who are you, what's your story, and what life lessons learned along your way would you like to share with us? So welcome to a GLT with me, CG, and we're recording. And, oh yes, now welcome. This is a very privileged, awesome, wonderful day in the sunshine of the clearing. Um, I'm really excited to talk to Genevieve Grant-Thompson who I have long thought of as being a real wise, wise woman. If you're from Ireland, which you're not, you'd be a banshee in a good way. You're from New York. (laughs) We get that. Um, Why I'm excited, and just to blow lots of smoke at you, is I've known you for, this will be our 11th year. I met you in 2010 at a really energetic shift moment in my life. And you were a, a real mentor and continue to be ever since actually and I often think about you and indeed if I could credit you with um, one of the most profound lines I still use in my own coaching about energy being you know the elixir of all connection um, you said once your energy is like a precious pot of golden honey be very very careful where you pour it and I've, I've so um, resonated and chimed and echo located to that notion ever since um, because I'm like a Duracell bunny in my life and, and energy is, is, is a wonderful wellspring of geyser. I don't mean me as a geyser, but I'm talking about a geyser of, of, of life force. And so it's a really important thing. So welcome to the clearing on the Good Listening To podcast, Genevieve Grant Thompson.
1: Yay! Thank you. You're (laughs)
0: very welcome. Also, you're my first guest, who I'm speaking to from a boat, please. So just tell us where you're speaking from.
1: I am in a little um, town called Rickmansworth right now on the Grand Union Canal. Do you know it at all?
0: I do. Rickmansworth, ironically, was the place of my first ever teaching practice when I was doing um, a junior school placement. When I was at the Central School of Speech and Drama doing my teaching degree, Rickmansworth was the first first year of my four-year degree placement.
1: Wow well that's where I am so there's a there's a, a thing called an aquadrome with beautiful lakes and we're on the canal and um, yeah I'm sitting on my boat with the water on one side and the towpath on the other and floating. <laughs>
0: the last time I saw you actually which is quite a few years ago now um, was on the boat or one of you've got two boats haven't you?
1: We used to. Uh, yeah, we used to. And then we had one and now we have two again. So, yeah, we, we have two, but it's, it's one of them is different to what
0: you uh, know. Yeah. Okie dokie. So, yes, yeah. welcome. We're going to take you through the lovely construct of the storytelling metaphors as we go. So the first thing to talk to you about um, is uh, if somebody does that rather clunky thing and they don't have any reference point as to who we are and they just turn to you and say, uh, what do you do? What's your favourite way of answering that, Genevieve?
1: Ah, that's funny. I haven't been asked that in such a long time. I guess I haven't been in new environments for very long. Um, what do I do right now? My first answer is that I write, I'm a writer. Um, and then they tend to ask what I write. And I usually push the question away and say whatever I'm curious about right now. And I guess the other thing that I do is I listen. That's my, that's my jam yeah i'm a, when, I'm a professional listener
0: and interestingly when i googled you because i could before we did this conversation interestingly right. as it happens on your linkedin profile it just says writer first and foremost a personal performance yeah. coach and then you've also said somatic worker which is an intriguing word
1: yes so that that refers to um i started off as a massage therapist in that field of somatic work and then began to doing massage since 2001, I think. Um, And so for me, somatic worker means acknowledging that we are inhabiting and inhabited through our bodies and doing work with that. So people come to me for a massage session, but very often what ends up happening is that we work with language as well as touch and movement through whatever their blocks are. And massage therapy just never seemed to really speak to all of that. So these days I can work with people um, by talking with them about their concerns. Someone might call up and say, hey, I've got this ache over here and I think this is going on. There's a particular kind of conversation you can have about your somatic, your bodily experience and your senses and your kinesthetic sense and how that makes meaning for you in the world and therefore how you can be better in the world and in your body.
0: And to be explicit, then somatic—I've inferred the meaning of it from what you've just been explaining. But, but in yeah, a body. nutshell, what somatic just means body.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the soma is the body, um, and but the but the word means more than just like oh my foot. It means the the thing that I call myself that is material.
0: Beautifully put. Yes. In fact, interestingly, I was speaking to somebody just yesterday who talked about their chronic pain situation which is mm. slightly left a field to what I thought we were there talking about. But they talked intriguingly somatically about how uh, they have a groin strain, but it affects their jaw. And I was intrigued by that because yeah. of the jaw. And I had no idea until we, I said, tell me a bit more if you want to. And, and just the idea that, that, that parts of our body are surprisingly linked was what I took from that.
1: Absolutely. There's, there's a really simple trick you can do where if you stick your finger in your mouth, thumb in your mouth and suck on it, you will often feel your pelvic floor move like lift.
0: Wow.
1: (laughs) Right? So there's a really, that's, I love that game where you just sort of, you got to get relaxed and you got to listen for it, but you will often feel a little tug. Um, There's like the body is just an extraordinary thing. It's it's such a cool device and machine. And it's also the only way that we know anything is through what we experience. I we love have to that. Experience
0: our body, you know. People listening, I would encourage you to stick your thumb in your mouth, give it a good suck, and see if you feel. A, so that that makes such sense to the notion of a baby wanting comfort, and then adults subsequently yeah. wanting comfort.
1: Exactly, exactly, and it's and it's you know, and that's all of that discovery came about through um, the recognition of oxytocin as the sort of drug of love, right? And so, and that was discovered. I forget the name of the woman who figured it out course it was a woman um and she was into sort of psychoanalysis and neurology i think but she discovered that there was this particular chemical that our bodies produce that happens when we feel that particular feeling of love and i think her research focused predominantly on mothers and babies
0: beautiful right lovely so Which
1: which i have to say makes me think of you because the thing that i one of the things that I think about when I think of you is how in love you are with your family and your children.
0: Thank you. I, thank that's you. Like,
1: really that's the thing that I first knew about you. That always carried, that feeling of like, oh, that tenderness and that. Yeah. So there's oxytocin in the air in your house all the time. I'm sure.
0: <laughs> it's nice to be able to name it now. What's that smell? Oh, it's oxytocin. <laughs> it's good. Lovely. <laughs> Love that. And we 10 years ago, we had sort of working voices in common, which is how I met you. But you were such a profound and immediate sort of wise presence that I remember thinking, you know, in the culture of the company that we then I strayed into, there was a sort of uh, an idea of a door opening and then immediate inclusivity. And I remember being slightly in awe, if I may, about the fact that, gosh, day one, I'm going to be alongside this person. Um, And it was just a real and he really gave me the nudge of confidence, having had A real, um, I'd had a real hiccup uh, and and I was sort of dashed on the rock of something circa 2010. But actually 10 to now has been when I've really, really found my true purpose. But you're at the sort of genesis point of a newfound reinvigoration, which is, you know, again, there's a story behind the story there, which we don't need to go into. But it's just really, really lovely to reconnect with you now and, and give you the gift of bringing you into the construct of the Good Listening To podcast.
1: Yeah, so you've you've gone and, and and built this thing for yourself, and now I get to sit in the world that you've built, which is really lovely. And I remember one of my favorite moments of coaching, teaching ever, was when I got to coach you, oh. because you went
0: <laughs> Gosh, uh, thank you. I I that's I find that quite moving. Thank you. That's very generous. So my gift back to you then shall we say, is to bring you into the Good Listening To podcast structure. So first and foremost, as I do with all my guests, let's talk about a clearing, Genevieve Grant Thompson. Uh, metaphorically or literally, what is a clearing for you?
1: Um, I think of two things when I think of a clearing in terms of a space to like what I crave when I want to make my work in the world. Um, and and one is an actual clearing, like walking through just over here, for example, I'm pointing to where the trees are on that side of me. Um, you can walk through the woods and there's lakes, and then you can turn a corner and find a little spot where people are not hanging out, where there's a bit of grass surrounded by trees. And I was thinking about that specifically. And I think for me, in that respect, a physical clearing is actually not so much a clearing, but the spot at the base of a tree every now and then you find a tree where you can sit at where the trunk meets the ground and it kind of holds you or climbing a tree you know like trees that are quite user friendly you can climb a tree and you know you could sit in the cradle of a of a quite a large branch for me that's like a everything every cell in my body just goes oh, okay and now i can settle and be calm Um, and the other thing is my desk my desk which is just a plank of wood stuck above some bookcases but it's it's the site of my promise to myself that I can do deep thinking and good work
0: in a clearing is a tree and you and me I love that also, re-in- reintroducing myself to you and uh, thinking about the honey line that I've already attributed to you. Um, mm-hmm. There was an extraordinary picture, ironically, of a big honey, um, a bee honeycomb, extraordinary, sumptuous picture of honey attached yeah. to a tree. Um, so mm-hmm. so I love the fact that in your clearing is a tree and also the plank and the wood of your desk. Yeah. Now, also behind you, there's wood as well. You've got some panelling yeah. within your boat. Also, I know because of your wonderful nomadic um, tendency, I think you said Thursdays is, boot mo- is boat moving day. Is that what you said? Because we were talking yeah. about when to take- Yeah, to I don't be. move
1: every Thursday, but it, because of the rhythm of, of the rest of my life, I try to reserve a day when I know I'm going to move a boat. If, if we were to move the boat, it would be Thursday. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you don't do anything else on boat moving day. You yes. don't make any other promises because you never know what's going to happen.
0: But I love the fact that you're in search or the epic quest to find a new clearing in the next mooring spot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, when Steve and I, like in normal times when we would move the boat, we'd cruise along and then we'd find a spot and then we'd tie up and settle everything in and and then we'd lock the boat up and go for a walk and go exploring. And that's one of the best parts about being nomadic is every new place is like which bit of this is home for us where's the local pub where's the local shop oh I like that maybe I'll come sit here and read a book or maybe we can come here for a picnic or I can do a walk around here again and and so you create a a map of Great Britain that is a series of places that you can call home.
0: And how often do you return because I presume because it's a limited infrastructure you can't be going to brand brand new places each time can you? Maybe. Yeah,
1: um, we. C- I mean, we could slowly put around the whole country and and take a couple of years doing it because there's so many canals and rivers. But of course, we have our emotional center at London. So technically, you're not supposed to return to the same spot for a whole year unless you've gone out to a certain location and then you're coming back again. And if you're coming back, you're allowed to come back as long as you're heading in the opposite direction.
0: <laughs> Lovely. So, so 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 you could
1: get, you could get in two visits a year. We probably have done more than that, but you know, we I'm we, we, we would be in a place once a season basically, yes. you
0: know. Yes. And of itself the sort of the the nomadic freedom of the boat I used to be intrigued by where have you come in from today then whenever we met even in the early days yeah. uh, 10 years ago. So I love the yeah. fact that it's obviously a a lifestyle where you expanded to two boats shrunk again now you're back to two boats. Very nice. <laughs> So um I love the segue of the tree in the clearing is perfect get you because I now want to bring a tree into the clearing anyway so how ahead of the curve were you and we're going to shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out um so it can be a tree of your choosing or of your you know architecture as you like so you're going to climb the tree and um We're going to let some storytelling apples fall out and they take the form of the lovely storytelling exercise called five, four, where you one. We've had five minutes or as long as you've needed to think about four things that have shaped you. Three things that inspire you. Two things that never fail to squirrels, as you said yourself when I told you about this to get your attention. And then one quirky (laughs) or unusual fact about you. We couldn't also possibly know about you until you tell us so over to you you can go where you like when you like and you can clonk apples on my head as you see fit so off you go
1: so um I think one of the things that has shaped me has been living on a boat actually that's that's an easy one choosing a lifestyle that's nomadic and that's off-grid that is what's the word itinerant which has so many connotations um, and choosing to live outside of so many of the constructs that make us feel normal if you're if if you don't have an address that you can get your post to especially right now how do you get deliveries how does your mom send you a birthday card um if you move through the world without having a a land-based address that you always come back to then how do you have a sense of community or belonging or place or village um and all of the things that all of the emotional stuff that we attach to being on a grid with an address and a map um even the aspiration to like own a, a house or a piece of land so many of these things you you become aware of when only when you step outside of them really and then because i because now i naturally inhabit this place outside of it i get to make more conscious choices about what i want to step back into yes So I have never had a geographic community except for a very brief period um, living in Baltimore in the States, but I've hardly ever identified with a particular location or piece of land or even group of people. Um, And living the way that I am supports that and makes it feel more normal. So it's like, yeah, of course, as opposed to me feeling disjointed in how I'm arranged in the world. And being conscious of who I'm gonna to bother to visit because they don't know where I live anymore. So I've gotta make sure I make myself available. Being conscious of who I tell where I live um, and how much water I use because I take my water with me, I'm not plugged into a system or how I generate my electricity. That kind of consciousness is certainly shaped my sense of, um, it's probably accelerated my sense of, you know, what's going on on the planet climate wise. And there's and it's and it's refined my sense of power and responsibility. I remember when when you and I first met, I was working on this idea for myself. I don't know if I talked about it much, but trying to figure out what power is and how it works, and it it kept occurring to me that the more responsibility you take, the more the right kind of power you have. Um, and it seems to me that living on a boat allows me to practice that in immediate ways all the time there's Um, such an
0: there's such an autonomy in the freedom of deciding i suppose the metaphorical gypsy life where you go where the winds take you or or where the tides take you or where the waterways allow
1: yeah Uh, absolutely and freedom is probably my you know if you were to ask me what what i'm fi- what i've been looking for my whole life it's freedom it's freedom and and every decision i make is a, is me choosing a different kind of freedom and playing with what that feels like and if if you want me to stop doing something or leave a place or give up on something just make me feel like you're taking away my freedom and i'm out <laughs> you know so i think you've 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 hit the nail on the head that freedom and autonomy definitely is a big part of that
0: and in fact, the very powerful adage, and I don't mind reincorporating it, the my energy is like a precious pot of golden honey. I've got to be very careful where I pour it. I remember yeah. really profoundly that was a very profound moment of exit. You were going.
1: Yes, yes. And yeah. what's
0: so lovely is I've come to find you again, knowing that you left and knowing how powerful that was.
1: Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good point, actually. it's like, And, it's, and it's, it's very much that feeling of, so what you've been up to? <laughs> yeah we've been pouring it right <laughs> yeah.
0: and in all your freedom i also know that you're very profoundly attached to where you're from because i remember lucky enough to be with you in new york where you're from and forgive oh, me if it's somewhere yeah. else but 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 i remember that being there was a little trip once and we had some comedy moments of going to deliver for a client where we're like scrabbling around trying to work out what the fuck we're doing you know trying to yeah. finalize a program and we're alive oh fuck it was all really exciting <laughs> in the back of a, <laughs> a new york cab and it was to do with yeah anything, we were right? in a car a yeah lives, yeah and, and it was like uh but but we we nailed it but um there was a, a sense of you pointing out the window going oh, oh, oh there was there was a sense of oh this is your patch
1: yes yes and that was and so yeah there's there are particular aspects of new york that that do feel like home to me they don't feel like it anymore so it's 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 a it's a temporal thing right like I can point to buildings and neighborhoods and say I did that there. And that means that to me, but it's all historic and yes. New York has changed so much. So, so that's what I mean. Like I I can no longer identify with New York as it is, but I of course have a, a have an historical love of it. Um, yeah. And yeah. So I don't know how, how freedom shows up there, but there's definitely a sense of, actually, the the reason I love the culture that I experienced in New York so much was I felt free.
0: And and it also seems like, you know, you're, you're, you take a sense of who your own community goes with you, where you go. So obviously there's you and Steve connected, but, but it's not like you're completely abandoning and moving on. You're actually, it's a bit like bringing your community to the new community you decide to be in. So there's a piece there because you're bringing yourself as a unit of containment with you. So it's not, not completely, you know, just utter abandon whenever you go anywhere. So there's real commitment no,
1: to it. It's sort of, in it's, it's it gets imprinted in you, mm-hmm. right? And in your cells and in your habits and in your language. And then you, exactly as you say, you you take it with you where you go. I know that, for example, I was living in New York and then I moved to Baltimore. And that's another thing that shaped me. I spent mm-hmm. about a decade in Baltimore before I came, came to London. That was a decade between like mid-20s and mid-30s where most of us start to go, I think I know who I am a little bit like this is my thing this is not my thing this is how I want my relationships and friendships to go these are my real interests those are not really my interests that kind of discovery um and there was a there was a real sense of of um being met yes That's- That's what it was. And I'm sure I've explained this before, you know, living in England, coming from the East coast of the States and having that as my, having New York and then Baltimore. And even when I went from New York to Baltimore in Baltimore, New York is North of Baltimore. That's why I'm doing this. But when I went to Baltimore, I was told I was a bit edgy for Baltimore, even though Baltimore is a big, strong city, but I realized my communication style has always been, um, I grew up in an environment where communication was direct, right on the table, in your face, and the assumption there's always an assumption that goes with a language style, right? So the assumption was that I can say what I want because everybody around me can say what they want back. So there's a kind of freedom there, right? Directness and And pragmatism. Yeah, exactly. And so it doesn't feel like we're pushing on each other too much because it's 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 the nature of the water that we're all swimming in.
0: Yes. So and there's a, st- see- there, there, there's a steeliness in the capacity to be able to live in cities like New York and now London, even though you're very yeah. free within London, but there's definitely a steel of, of yeah. street wiseness
1: Yeah. And, and, and a, a sort of robustness, right? Yes. But then I came to And, re- to and resilience. Yeah. Yeah. And the resilience. Yeah. And you don't feel it until you go somewhere else, right? It's just, it's just how it is. So, I come to London and what I discovered in my first few years, I'm walking around being direct, you know, up front and asking questions out loud. And all around me, people are going like,
0: oh. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, and kind of going shh, shh, like easy, easy now. And what I learned was that the freedom that sort of the British culture, maybe in the South of England, I notice it's different as, as, as you go North, the way that people, allow space for each other here is by not saying things too loudly is by not saying things out loud, because Mm. there's a feeling of I don't want to impose on you. Right. And so. So for me, I was like, why isn't anybody telling me anything? (laughs) I don't know what's going on. You, you know they're all keeping secrets but there was very much a sense of we're going to let you do your thing and have our opinions and tell them to each other but not you and give you space to do what you want and so yeah so there's i mean you, you can find freedom and anywhere i guess but that but yeah definitely that i noticed that and that was it was quite i think that probably shaped me as well in that i because i wasn't expecting it because i didn't come here to settle I came here to go to school and then I thought mm-hmm. I was going home again. So I was curious about what was going on, but I was there to study. Um, and while I was doing that, I had to work part time. So I'm learning this as a byproduct, not okay. giving yeah, my
0: yeah.
1: full attention.
0: And, and, um, and, and by the yeah. way, I, I, I very nearly got back in touch with you recently but then didn't because I know that you'd gone home for a very very profound reason and I don't know if you're going to talk about this or not but I'll just mention what it is but I know it's to do with the the recent you know very sad death of your father but that's where you you did a a return home didn't you and I don't know whether you went back to New York or whether it was Baltimore or or I actually
1: that was that was another weird thing um and that that's definitely something that has shaped me I my father who's who's from New York New Jersey and raised us in New Jersey, um, has lived for over a decade on his sailboat, and his and his sailboat was in the Caribbean. Oh, so what's so what's funny is here in this. So I'm black and white, right, racially speaking, in the sort of dumbest terms, black and white. My mom is is a white lady with blonde hair and fair skin. My father is a African American guy with the afro and dark skin. Here in this country, mixed race, people assume that you're Caribbean. That's the automatic assumption. That's the, that's the wind rush that came here. So they look at me and they assume it's probably Caribbean going on. My father is not Caribbean, but my father, since I moved here, lived on his boat with his girlfriend in the Caribbean. They sailed from the East coast all the way down to the Virgin Islands and lived there.
0: And had he been in Britain, they'd have done an inverse wind rush.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. right. rush,
0: it's called a rush wind. Did you go the other the rush way? It,
1: the rush wind. Exactly. <laughs> Flip it. We're, we're, we're going to take some of your land now. <laughs> you know, but, um, but so I went to the Caribbean, which is not my home at all. Another thing that's foreign, absolutely foreign to me. Everything about it is utterly foreign.
0: Is that where you went to help him die then? Sorry. Yes,
1: exactly. So, so, and so in March, we got the word that he was being sent home to die. And my father's home is on his boat, right? And his boat is not in a marina. It's in a harbor. (laughs) And so I went to the Virgin Islands, to St. John, to help my father die at home. Um, and so it's one thing again house on land you're plugged into the grid you've got all the resources it's time to get a hospital bed in you move out the furniture you get a hospital bed that's interesting enough that's enough of a journey try doing it on a boat and this isn't a yacht this is like a 38 foot i think sailboat where all the furniture is built in there's no room for a hospital bed um and and then so i was there for about two months Living in a place where it's like 35 degrees all the time, humid, you know, um, hurricanes. It's like this weird paradise, but I'm there for this weird grieving process. And you don't have cold weather, but you have hurricanes. It's a trade-off, you know. And then my father wasn't dying as fast as we all thought he would, including him. And so I came home to England to my boat and my husband, and then... Well honestly it really was a bit of a I mean I, I know everyone's had a rough year. I came I was going to say I came home to my boat my husband and our cat. And then my cat died. Oh.
0: Pussy cat. I what? know. I know. And what was your pussy cat's yeah. name? Charlotte. Of course, oh, Charlotte. Charlotte the yeah. moggy is no exactly. more. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> and then and then about So that was June. And then September, it was like, yeah, no, Papa really is dying. And his, his partner, Sandra, she, she needs help. And I, my agenda, my commitment was to help her was to was to be a part of that process and to be in it as much as I could. So I got back on a plane right around the time we went into our second lockdown. I got back on a plane again to, to St. John. And it was wild because the people in the Caribbean figured I was, the son of a Caribbean man or person who had gone off and was coming home. So they thought I was doing some kind of homecoming, even though I wasn't local, they thought I was somehow an island. Everybody thought I was yes. from somewhere where I wasn't. Yes. Like no, nobody but me and my immediate family knew that, you know, that and none were of- there, Were there
0: other siblings there. wrapped around you in this quest to help your father as
1: yes, exit? absolutely. So my brother who lives on the East coast in the States in New Jersey, I think his, he had like a four hour flight to get back and forth. We all had to deal with COVID protections. We all had to be very careful about when it was worth flying um, and how to fly safely. So he, he could come and go more easily. So he would come for a bit and help. And then he would go home and get, he has a wife and a kid. um, And then he, so he could jump back and forth. And my Father's partner's daughter, Cara came to support as well
0: did you all life. did you all manage to configure in the right place at the right time for what you were there to do?
1: I think well, we did, and you know we did, and we didn't um it, what was amazing was how all five of us ended up on a tiny little sailboat and managed to find space and make it work and there was something really beautiful in how everybody found their skills right so Kara was always very good at noticing when we needed to eat and like the, the comforts of like, go get groceries and cook us some food and just make sure that people have the you know, clean sheets yeah. on the beds. And just, she, she had an eye for that when the rest of us were going like this. My yeah. brother is a, is a, is an artist and a carpenter and he took over the task of building my father's coffin.
0: Wow. Which and is... was your, your father was very aware during all of this as well
1: able-bodied he was he was slowly getting weaker yeah and eventually he had a hard time finding words but he was he was fully cognizant alive able-bodied most of the time it was it was almost more difficult because he's his whole i realize now it's that old um you don't know what you got till it's gone right all of my father's power well maybe 80 percent of my father's power in the world was down to the fact that he could do it himself oh yes And in the last year of his life, he lost, and actually for years, he'd been getting older and weaker, you know. And when I would come visit, he would hide things from me. Like, uh, there was a time when he had joint pain and he couldn't handle ropes very well, which on a sailboat, you need to be able to handle ropes. So he had made a secret plan with his partner. He would just say, can you get that for me? And she wouldn't argue with him because he didn't want me to know that he couldn't handle the ropes because his hands were hurting. Um, And then finally he got busted I found out (laughs) and used my (laughs) somatic knowledge to help him fix his hands and then he could handle ropes again, but
0: lovely. So you found your part, obviously your, 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 what you could do to lean in to help too, was obvious in you being there, but also that's so lovely. You brought some of the somatic stuff as well.
1: Exactly. And yeah, and me, me, I, I showed up and became um, a central part of his palliative care team. So it was me, his partner and him. And my brother showed up and did what he could, but he was more about helping in the outside space. Um, and Kara helped, like she, but she wasn't there that long. So I, I was, I was his death nurse basically.
0: And it sounds, if I may, reading between all those really mm-hmm. profound lines, that that you know that adage of we, you you enabled a good death by the sound of it.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of talk of like death doula and things like that. And that's what I wanted. I wanted him to, to die as well as he possibly could. Luckily, that was also his agenda. <laughs> so we were on the same team, you know? And it was, in some ways it was really easy to do because his spirit was so intact. And he, he um, we were allowed to be sad together and there wasn't a lot to be afraid of. Like he, he, he kept us from being afraid of his death because he wasn't afraid of dying,
0: which was amazing. Did you have that oxygenation of of saying and doing everything you wanted to do, so you felt that you were all at peace with the tragedy, but at peace with it because it's the the natural order of things and...
1: I I can go one better than that, Chris. That oxygenation has been a part of my entire life with my father. He never had a bucket list because he always did it, which is extraordinary know
0: he lived a good life and a happy life and a fulfilled yeah. life
1: then yeah and i think part of the gift was that you know he always well he he was diagnosed with prostate cancer slow growing prostate cancer i think around 2003 and um chose to chose his route of living and and healing his body as best he could and that probably put the final i'll say nail on the coffin in terms of the death of his ever trying to assimilate into normal society, right? So his whole life, he was like, I'm doing it my way. I'm responsible for my joy. I'm responsible for my well being. I'm responsible for what my life looks like. And then when he was introduced, this, like, we all know we're going to die, but you know, you probably know what you're going to die from. And your timeline has probably been foreshortened. He was like, Oh, hell no. Okay, good. <laughs> Now, any of those little extra things that were maybe a little bit of a waste of time, a bit like my golden honey, right? He was like, no one else gets this, but who I really love. And so it just refined it even further. But it wasn't like there was a big flip. He'd always been going that way in my estimation of him. You know, Of course, he's my father and I adore him, so I'm going to create a myth out of him but it's a it's a a great myth and so there was nothing for me to forgive or negotiate we did that as it came Fought like cats and dogs when I was younger you know and got it done at at the time
0: and there's there's a lot I'm not sure
1: that's the case but we're going
0: to come on to a cherry on the we're going to come on to a cherry on the cake later but the cherry on the cake of the story about your father is the um the, the the sort of Somatic resonance with your capability in what you do, and you're able to bring that to great yeah. nurture at, at his end, which is a really wonderful thing.
1: Yeah, the, I mean, it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary how well trained I was to do that task. And there were moments when he would be in his, like, he would be in his hospital bed, and he kind of wake up from sleeping, which he did a lot, and look around like he was confused. And I would say to him you know what's going on and he would say things like well i think i'm uncomfortable but i'm not sure which is he was on morphine for the pain but the morphine didn't knock him out yeah and he was having sensations he'd never had before and he was always very curious about even his suffering like what is this thing what is it doing do i need to change it or what can i learn he was doing that but because of my training, I could help him get a vocabulary a lot faster. And I could see, for example, I could see the arrangement of his body in the bed and and predict where the discomfort was. Okay. And so I could simply shift him a bit. And he was always so impressed. I would shift him a bit. I would say, can I move you? I think I might be able to make you more comfortable. And because he trusted me, he would go, okay, yeah, give it a try. And I'd move his leg or his knee or something. And he would go, oh, that's so cool. How do you know that? <laughs>
0: So there's a nice like, combo there of being like a shamanic and a somatic nurse,
1: yeah,
0: able to yeah. be there in the Caribbean yeah. when the time was right. And was, using using the sailboat analogy that keeps on giving, um, yeah. <laughs> thank you for telling us that lovely story about your father. I'm going to sail us back to the clearing now, back to the yes. apples that we're talking about. And so far we've had your, your boat and your father as being things that have shaped you. Um, yes. Anything else that you want to go? back into the tree to shake out for us?
1: I think, well, I think having that almost decade of life in, in like after New York into Baltimore,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so living in the city of Baltimore, it's, it's amazing how much that place imprinted on me. And I think it's because, so life in Baltimore, um, shout out to anyone who's ever been in Baltimore. It's a city that had an extraordinary mix of um, poverty and wealth, um, fluidity between very, separated neighborhoods um, in terms of poverty, wealth, race. It's a very gay city. It's a very camp city. It's like you can be before we had all this gender fluid language, everyone in Baltimore had that language because we were living it and around it and it was just normalized. Um, Camp is what we had for breakfast and and the ability to laugh at ourselves and so to to live in that space and to simply witness every day different people very different people living their lives and figuring themselves out and it wasn't it wasn't an expensive city so you could get you could live a life where you could work a part-time job and and pay your rent and have enough energy left to make your art
0: lovely and I'm, I'm assuming there's a parallel with Baltimore and San Francisco. This is quite a stereotypical view yeah. of cities I perceive as being very sort of um, gay aware. Um, yeah. So I'm assuming that Baltimore and, and San Francisco, are they in parallel, like almost sisters to each other?
1: Um, I, I'm, you know, I've never lived in San Francisco, but the reputation that San Francisco has for being like a place where gay people can be safe and happy and out. Baltimore has that too. Um, but Baltimore is a black city. Baltimore mm-hmm. has a lot more. It's, I mean, San Francisco has black people in it, but Baltimore has it's because it's East coast. It's like right on the border between the North and the South and the civil war culture and all that kind of thing. So the fact that you have, that you had black people owning their property and owning their lives and running things mm. since the 1800s is quite unusual. And that was a big part of it too. Um,
0: and there's something and I very, rich and profound about your ability to be able to as you've talked about being black and white if you like almost binary light and shade how you can fit in because presumably yeah. can, it's a bit like what you know if you've got um where the rain stops and it's not raining light dark shade you know you can you can presumably step either into yeah either of those do- domains i suppose
1: yeah exactly and it's it's funny um i call it unconscious passing right
0: <laughs> love that unconscious passing right. from one domain to the other one
1: space. There's lots, I'm sure there's lots of times when I've had an easier way of moving through a space because of my look and I had no awareness of it. I mean, this is, this is how I understand what people talk about as white privilege now, right? You have a way of moving through a space. I'll give you a really simple example. My first year in, in London, I was in school and I was studying and a lot of my classmates were, were Greek and you know your first few weeks you don't know anybody and you're trying to figure out how to make friends while you're studying and i went to this reading harold pinter was doing a reading which was just like he's one of my heroes right and i'm like i'm he's alive and he's reading i'm there so i'm in the queue outside to, to go in and someone i had seen around or met at some dinner or something or in a pub was ahead of me i didn't know him but i knew who he was so i were we in
0: london or baltimore in this anecdote of pinter it's,
1: this is London. Yeah, but this please. is just an example of that um, unconscious passing, right? Yeah. So I reach over and I tap him on the shoulder thinking I've got to be social. I've got to, you know, just say hi to people that you've seen before instead of do- hiding. So I tap him on the shoulder and he turns around. He looks at me, he goes, "Oh, hello." Kisses me on both cheeks and introduces me to his friends. He's remembered my name, kisses on both cheeks. I'm like, "Oh, I'm in." Right? And all these people sort of absorb me into there. They've got a little group of wonderful, philosophical, active artist people. And they just absorb me in and invite me to whatever they're doing, talk to me like they're interested. About six months later, I'm sitting around with these people in a pub in South London. And I realize from their conversation with me that they're assuming that I am Greek like them. Wow. The whole time all that treatment, all that openness was because they thought I was a Greek person in London.
0: And that's a beautiful testament to one's capability to chameleon-like fit in when required. A bit like just change not changing your spots or being inauthentic, but you've just you know, if you if you turn yeah. up to tap somebody on the shoulder, when you turn round, there's that immediacy of is she like me? Can I, you know, humanity is what binds us all. There's obviously something that you're just, imme- there's an immediacy of pre- presentation of self, of my presence is here. Dada, I can work with that kiss on both cheeks, boom, you're in, which is a, exactly. a testament to connection, actually.
1: Exactly. And they had assumed, I, I had no idea that they had assumed I was Greek for months.
0: You don't even <laughs> like Taramasalera. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> and so, and by the time I clarified, I was like, no, wait, I'm not. As far as I know there's no Greek anywhere, right? Yeah. Th- then they already liked me too much, so I was still in. You know what I mean? But I think so Baltimore had a lot of that going on, I think. Um, you know, Baltimore's got loads of its own problems, but there's a there's a sense of if you, you could if you put on the right outfit, you can hang out in any space. Yes. You know.
0: So it's about adapt- a, adaptability opening. as well. Yeah. Adaptability, the ability adaptability. to to blend in. Yeah.
1: And most importantly, I think this yes here here's the thing you'll like, this yes and attitude.
0: I'm all over all that. Over
1: Baltimore. <laughs> you show up, you stick a flower up up your nose and you go, This is my look, they go, Yes, and <laughs> what Here's, else, a you know? you.
0: <laughs> Here's a shrub for your. Here's a shrub for your
1: ear. Your bum. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was quite proud of myself. I didn't say but shrub
0: they're... up your bum. That's what I was thinking, but I didn't say oh, it. So it's quite proud. I, no, I no. no I, yes, and it's now up my bum. That's lovely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that goes hand in hand with being able to 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 laugh at yourself. You know. Yes.
0: Have a sense of humor oh. and humility.
1: Yeah humility such a powerful thing so uh, I love
0: the idea of global head of oneself you know I'm global head of myself I can go where I like when I like and I can find a way to connect and you know I I enjoy I enjoy connecting with people irrespective of who the what the where the why the who the why the. and and it's just interesting to see if you can find a way in which is partly what this is about I just love listening to people which is why I've got really passionate about hey I'll give this person a damn good listening to what they're going to tell me
1: exactly yeah it's so much fun and yeah so I think yeah so definitely being being in a city that was that allowed you to sort of try out all the different versions of yourself yeah and 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 just gleefully welcome them all in you know that definitely shaped me so yeah so what do we got we've got boat life my time with my father um Baltimore being married
0: next Big, i don't mean next marriage i mean next yeah. bit of information next <laughs> apple
1: yeah next apple boom being married probably a lot because i i was never one of those girls who was like one day i'll get married i'll find my prince charming and then we'll make a little house and a family and everything will be okay i never had that image for myself so i have friends who are still kind of impressed that i'm actually married and i always say that steve is the only person i could have married
0: Ah, that's lovely. So you found fine. the soulmate, the only one that could or should yeah. or would. Yeah,
1: like, he's the only one for whom marriage was the right thing to do. Like, if it wasn't for Steve, I wouldn't be married.
0: And do you mind yeah. me asking, had you had previous offers?
1: I've, I'd had, i I'd had previous... I mean intentions. proposals.
0: Sorry, I, I interrupted you. Had,
1: I'd had previous relationships where, where people had said, you know, one day when I ask you to marry me. Yes. Oh. Uh, but what's funny is, those people. I knew that I would never have married them, so they were on some. I, I kept dumb about it long because of their egos. But you know, but yeah, Steve, I, I, and I've had previous, you know, people who I loved deeply and dearly in lots of ways, but was never going to set up house with any of them. Was never going to commit in that way, and when Steve asked me to marry him. That I, you know, it was this extraordinary proposal, but I remember these two thoughts in my head. One was like, wow, this is a big moment. This is a theatrical moment. Genevieve, you should take it all in and feel it. And I, and, and I, you know, am I going to cry? This is really profound. And all I could think the whole time I was trying to process it and take it all in was, that could be a lot of fun. <laughs> that was the only
0: thought. Oh, in my so there head. was a lovely joy and spontaneity attached to the connection which i i I gathered outside looking in is is part of your connection is the 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 joy of connection and exploration because he's obviously sharing the life on the boats with you and you've made me think about that um um i don't know if it's an insect at this point but the um the the water boatman this creature that's unable to able to sort of go across the viscosity of water and cover a big big scape of water by just running along the top so you get to walk on water yeah. in, in the right relationship
1: yeah absolutely yeah that's that's really good we get to yeah and playfulness is i i had a friend a few years ago who's who's also married uh she, she asked me what i thought was the sort of thing on which my marriage hinged like what was the relationship based on and i thought about it and i was like yeah it's playfulness like when it's going well we are children together skipping through the You're, Your inner
0: child, I love that, because I'm, I'm all about that too. We must never lose our inner child. Yes, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, you have to be a child. You have to be a child to live on a boat with someone else.
0: And, in fact, during during lockdown, um, you know, my, my family are awesome, but but Stan has been my lockdown bestie, my 13-year-old That's pet it. gibbon, as I call him. So, <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's my lockdown bestie, because we're just completely stupid all the time. Um, in a good way yeah so you're back to your apples we're nearly there with shaking the what shaped you there's this is lovely by the way it it all connects because we're talking about alchemy and gold later but you're giving me that in spades anyway uh so so anything else that you'd like to talk about shaping you before we go on to inspire and again if there's overlap it doesn't matter
1: um well yeah theater theater um and So my experience with theater is, I think, a little bit different to to yours in that for me, theater has always been a space. I came to it through the desire to help a friend succeed at an audition. Um, I was immediately introduced to political theater, ensemble political theater. So it became how do we do what we can to make the world a little bit better and put the right ideas into the world. And then I stayed with it because... The way that I do theater is, I sit out of the spotlight myself and get to listen to the creative minds doing their work. I get to be a handmaiden to these great works
0: as uh, a stage it, manager,
1: actor, uh, or a dramaturg or a researcher. Um, and when I make my own work, I am—I um, mean, as as a writer, I realize I'm—I've gone back to thinking like a theater maker, like I'm creating. Performative moments and creating these rituals of, of discovery, and there's something really profound about the idea of committing to make believe. Not just because you're on, on a stage, but in any moment you can turn something into to, into a profound event or a gleeful event because of how you decide to play it.
0: Like the um, magic, and if. so
1: hey, theatres,
0: yeah. Like the magic, if anything's possible. Yes. Uh, which Absolutely. is the Stanislavski construct. And also in reading up about how you describe your work, you did talk about the fact you talked to and, and the idea of people creating in a space. You, you said you speak to or you work with smart, creative, frustrated people to turn them into a tangible success. So there's something yes. about the director, the enabler, the galvanizer of others mm-hmm. to find success. Absolutely,
1: Absolutely. And there's also something about, you know, some theatre makers, like so many great actors I know, Go through phases of developing themselves because of the craft, and so they'll do anything in order to perfect their craft. And I know writers who like, for them, language is a tool that you play with, and you do anything with it so that you can develop your craft. And for me, I'm not that agile.
0: <laughs> um,
1: I I need to have some. I need to be in love with it first, and I need to believe in it, and then I will do anything.
0: So, and i'm hearing as well there's that lovely idea as you mentioned earlier about the idea of just listening really acutely listening as yes. to how i can contribute to move this forward even exactly. even actually listening to your father's body and how he was positioned you know, there's listening yeah. which is a recurring thing in the sort of yeah. somatic so your hearing yeah. is very attuned as a sense in that i think
1: yeah and there is that sense that that i like if if i were like when i helped to produce a shakespearean play like hamlet right I I see a lot of productions where people come in and they sort of impose their view on it or look for the secret meaning that they're going to reveal that
0: Shakespeare himself didn't
1: know was was in it. But I realize I approach great writing like I do people, where I, I sit and I listen with the expectation that, they might not have articulated all of it, but what it is that has brought them into the world, the script or the person, has its own innate integrity. That it's okay, that it works. And if it looks like it doesn't work, I'm just not listening right.
0: Yes, because in their so, world it makes sense, or they might be frustrated with where it's taken them, but their story is their narrative and it's not over. Your story's not over until it's over, so where can you go next? New choices. Exactly
1: exactly and so you have to trust the thing or the person that you're working with yeah. you have to you have to have a deep abiding trust of it and then your curiosity and humility allow you to discover all these little bits of magic and my favorite part is when you see the magic and you hold it up and say what do you think and they go oh that's amazing and, and in hamlet taught me.
0: in hamlet terms that's the showing the mirror up to nature
1: yeah yeah Exactly. Exactly. And so to, and so that keeps me in a really healthy relationship with knowing and learning and power and responsibility and all those things, because whatever I'm committing to is bigger and more important than me.
0: And so whatever you're committing to as a through line and a golden thread and everything you're describing about it, you've got to be passionate about it in order for it to pull you in.
1: Absolutely. I've got to be passionate about it. And, and, you know, it's funny because I'm looking at, 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 doing a phd soon i'm thinking about phd work and it's exactly that i've I've got to be passionate about it part of it is because i know there will there will be hard days when i wish i didn't have to do it and i know ahead of time on those days that it's that deep belief that the work is worth it that will keep yes. me going if i haven't got that i'm out
0: it's keep your then gold, I feel trapped. keep your golden purpose in front of you yeah. you pull you towards your future
1: exactly exactly
0: so i think and we're still listening to the good listening to podcast with grant with uh <laughs> genevieve grant thompson um or grant thompson genevieve we can mix it about a bit so now we're up to <laughs> three things that inspire you please
1: okay three things that inspire me um that's funny, I thought a little bit about this before. Well, I'll go back to my father in that the example of my father's life and having watched him because he was so transparent in his thinking and what he was trying to solve, try to protect himself because he knew how sensitive he was, and that he he could articulate this to me as a as a young adult. He often looked quite tough and hard, and he said, "I know it looks that way, but I'm doing a lot to protect myself because I know how sensitive I am, and certain things I don't think I can handle. So, uh, so I don't stre- hang out with those people."
0: So strength in vulnerability. So knowing that it's not yes. weak to be vulnerable, which is a you know a lovely thread that's obvious in what I suppose you and I yeah. both bring. I suppose yes,
1: absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. And, and recently I've been talking to people who knew my father, who he helped when they were young and they, they're telling me the stories of how he helped them, which is such a cool thing. Yes. And they said something that made me go, Oh, that's why I do what I do in the world. They said he had a real eye for looking, especially at young people. That's who he was working with and pay, and being curious about them and recognizing when they showed a little bit of magic that they had skill or a gift or an energy that they had and then saying you can do that like he let a 13 year old girl organize a school trip to a new york broadway play He was like yep here's the money make it happen she was like i can do so so empowering people but only in the right places he didn't always get it right sometimes he'd hold back where maybe he could have given or vice versa but just that desire to sort of see people fill up what they could be
0: and nudge them Um, forward to give them courage
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, let them be scared. And, 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 and I'll give you one more example. When I, before, before he was officially dying, when I would visit him in the Caribbean on his boat, he, he took me snorkeling and I'm not that confident. I like being in the water, but I'm not that confident in terms of underwater stuff. He had a really good way of, you have your goggles on and all you can see is someone's eyes really, and everything else is distorted, right? Goggles to goggle. He had a really good way of being under the water, and then you know, you you can't talk, so you point at a fish and you do, you are you okay? Are you okay? He would look in my eyes and make sure that I wasn't scared. He had a really good way of holding himself as a as an anchor for you, and I watched him do that with other people. He would he when when he decided it was his job to push people or to help them grow, he took the the position of i'll be the thing that you can hang on to when you're scared and he didn't always feel it but he would take take on that role for the sake of doing that task so the sense of like um people who it's like my father was it was a great example but anyone who says this is my job and i'm damn well gonna do it even if i don't feel like it you know that
0: he knew his purpose his purpose was to be the rock by the sound of it
1: absolutely and so when like when you've seen me teach like um public speaking type stuff and people go oh but i'm nervous and i can't i'm like it's you you can you can have a flu you can be miserable you can be you can be bleeding and still do a good presentation it's a job it's a skill set and you can commit to it and you can do it it has nothing to do with your with your persona or your god given gifts it's a commitment that you can make and so it it opens the doors to things that people think aren't accessible to them
0: well they, because knew, of that they knew not were possible until they get nudged into the sunlight to do it
1: yeah exactly and that's what i did with you actually
0: ah when yes remember yeah I there was a there was a, a genuine i got a, this analogy really sat with me where i, I felt like i was <laughs> there was a bit of a new type of work I was doing. So I was a fledgling in a nest and I just felt the Genevieve Grant Thompson big, you don't have particularly big boots, but I felt this boot up my ass, to just get me to go ah! flappity 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 flap. And it got me into the way I coach now, actually, but it was a, it was a yeah. flappy flappy flap away from the nest because I could do it anyway. Cause I, had I, been flying before, but I'd forgotten how to fly briefly because I'd had quite a, I had quite a weird time circa 2010 as we do, you know, there, there are yeah. moments of transience in our, illustrious path
1: (laughs) yeah where where we go i don't know who i am and i guess you know i had that moment where i saw i completely trusted that you could do it
0: oh and in fact i I need to credit you also with with you you gave me the genesis of the the vocabulary of how i to this day still do coaching it's grown and grown and grown but the seeds of, of what you planted are now who i am as a coach and it's down really importantly to you as as a, as the early genesis points of of nudging along the path to this whole delta of possibility that could open.
1: Wow! Awesome.
0: Awesome. <laughs> Take that Thank bit you. of silence as we let that float in the water. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> and we could be at the two things that. whoop Squirrels never fail to get your attention. Now.
1: Yes. Okay. So. I have to be honest. One thing that never fails to get my attention is squirrels.
0: <laughs> it is literally squirrels. <laughs> so the thing that makes you go Hoop, squirrels is Hoop, squirrel. squirrel. I will be
1: walk- I'll be walking down the street in the city or through a park. You can ask Steve and I'll go squirrel squirrel and Steve will actually bring nuts in his pocket if he can remember so we can try to feed the squirrels we're just little kids who like always no matter where I am squirrel foxes even more so
0: ah so squirrels and foxes
1: yeah both but, of I will, make I your, will...
0: but the comedian to me can't resist saying both squirrels and foxes on your path of where you're at to make your husband get his nuts out
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes
0: squirrels exactly. oh I'll oh, get my nuts out
1: <laughs> get your nuts out babe <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly, it could be the opposite opposite of a safe like word. That forever that's... It could be the opposite. I'm just riffing on something now. It could be the opposite <laughs> of a safe word when you go, Squirrels! Yeah. I know what's about to happen. I'm going to get my nuts out. I'm kidding. Anyway. So, <laughs> 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 anyway, yeah. there you are. Um, <laughs> squirrels, w- we'll leave that but to you. Yeah, yeah I
1: have
0: a thing if you want to watch it. Oh, Stan's got a squirrel. Stan's just arrived. <laughs> Come here, Stan. Uh, Stan, this is Stan, by the way, just bringing him into the picture suddenly. Hey Stan. Stan. This is Genevieve. He made me this collar so that I
1: may talk. Squirrel!
0: There you are. That's the clip. Thank oh, you, Stan. <laughs> He's been in the background going, I was oh squirrels. So, <laughs> Excellent. Stan very well. I'm actually recording it as well. So okay. this is But thank you for coming by. But okay. uh, hello. Thank Genevieve. You, <laughs> Yeah, that was stan beautifully my, my he's my lockdown bestie turning up with the clip from the film up which is whoa, squirrels isn't it yeah. so if you, if you don't know what oh, reference is yes. it, it's from the film up isn't it thank film you stan you're, you're very welcome see you later alligator Excellent. so yes sorry um so squirrels and and foxes do you want to tell us a bit more about that or yes I feel we well, mind that beautifully
1: well it's just it's just, I'm constant. Like, I love that the innocent, open sort of excitement of seeing critters do do what they do. Um, yeah, it's just honest. It's true. But what else is, what else never fails to grab my attention? Um, oh, light. Ooh. So let me show you, let me see if I can show you what I mean. Can you see on my ceiling?
0: I'm seeing some lovely um, board of a bo- bit of boat board on the ceiling of the boat. And you're showing yes. me light refraction. Yes, you are. You're, uh, there's a sunlight refraction on the roof. I can right. see.
1: So I could stare at that for hours.
0: And I'm sure people could listen That's- to that for hours. But remember, it's a visual clue you're giving us at the moment. And I'm having to describe it because we're in a podcast. <laughs>
1: exactly. Nice? Yeah. Well,
0: it's great. So- because- Light reflection then is what you love to yeah, be exactly. absorbed by. Exactly,
1: especially you know when light bounces off the water, or or a sunset, or a sunrise, or yes, um, yes. light come, coming coming th- through the trees. I will always, it will always st- strike me. Um,
0: and In I way, don't like an think immediate, I take
1: it for granted.
0: It's an immediate clearing of itself. It yeah. just suddenly appears, isn't it? The idea of oh, some refraction yeah. to admire.
1: Yeah, exactly. And again, it's like a natural event, but weather, light, the way it bounces through things in cities and in in natural habitats, especially if it's moving light, it always gets me. And it's, I think it's, it's, it's back to that, probably that somatic, that bodily thing of just, Mm. I'm a creature in the world. And this is information about my natural habitat. And it always just gets me.
0: And do you remember? Uh, I will put. I'll. I'll make sure I get the picture again and drop it into the bottom of what we're talking about somehow. But there is that picture of that your quote again about sun about honey being your precious pot of golden honey and energy but there's an extraordinary picture in a in a i think it's a venezuelan sort of rich jungly environment my geography could be barking there but it's sun shining through an incredibly fat honeycomb full of honey and the, the sunlight refracting off it so if you've not seen the photograph i'll make sure i send it to you because that picture made me think of you and our connection uh because of just honey
1: yeah that's perfect so that 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 idea of like just you could just stare at the light shining through that for ages right and actually i can send you i've been doing if i've been doing a thing lately that i call a listening project but what i do is you know how you're walking through the world and you hear a sound yeah but if you could isolate you're like that's just something i could listen to for a while it's interesting yes. a little capture and so what i do is i i i you i take my video camera on my little smartphone and aim it at something in the environment that doesn't necessarily have to do with the sound itself it's just what's going on and take just a one minute video but what i'm really doing is focusing on the sound so yes. What's wonderful is you end up walking through the world and just pausing for a whole 60 seconds and just listening it's like being absorbed by
0: one of nature's installations
1: yeah exactly and if only you're so present got- enough,
0: if only you're present enough to notice them they can pass you by often can't they
1: exactly so these little moments of like 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 nature gave you a squirrel right you just ugh, and you just can sit and enjoy it for a minute but i can send you one that i have that is what i ended up doing was putting the camera down and there was this really wonderful reflection refraction on the water of the light above that is a perfect example of how the light got it and i think steve actually saw it and said you need to capture this
0: one there is that um the sound of Business. and uh, th- th-
1: th-
0: this is guess the film that's on my mind i can't remember the name of the film when there was suddenly just a montage of a plastic bag blowing in the wind do you remember there was a very famous um american
1: american beauty thank you american, american beauty
0: thank you very much american beauty which you know <laughs> just to blow smoke at you that's what i'm talking to here An american beauty who's yes. also from exactly the
1: exactly
0: anyway <laughs> so um now we're at the point of um tell me a quirky or unusual fact about you you've not yet divulged that we couldn't possibly know about you genevieve grant thompson until you tell us
1: um that i have a stutter oh yeah
0: which is incredibly well disguised and, and you're in good company because way back when one of my comic heroes michael palin um mm-hmm. used to have a stutter yeah. apparently and is is in a fish called Wanda, where he exaggerated that and has created yeah. a foundation off the back of it sorry uh, no, it's not about him, it's about you so tell yeah. me more
1: yeah exactly um and it's it's a lot like that and it it still shows up as a somatic exp- I still feel a little clutching up in my body sometimes around sounds um and I inherit it from my father so usually uh, a person with a stutter has a has one parent usually if there's uh if there are parents and one has a stutter. One kid will get it, and no other kids will uh, get it.
0: Okay, okay. Yes.
1: Right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I I have a stutter. It was much more visible when I was really young. It comes out when I'm tired or overexcited or stressed. It has taught me that thing I was talking about before, actually, about that idea that if you commit to something, my my fluency is a result of my having repeatedly committed different aspects of my psyche, mostly, to understanding what it is that brings out my stutter and unraveling the tension around it. And so I'm not trying to cure the stutter. I'm trying to let it teach me what it can about who I am and who I need to be in the world. And
0: does it arrive all sudden? does it emerge, reemerge at times in your life when your body's telling you you're stressed when you didn't know you were a bit like that sort of inner wisdom that tells us.
1: Yep. It's a great, it's one of those great sort of things. So my stutter will show up if I'm really tired to the point where, you know, when you're like, oh, I'm tired, but I can do a little bit more. My ah, stutter yes. will, my stutter will tell me, no, you can't even talk. So go to bed. It's your
0: body's way of telling you to fuck sake you're tired. Get over yourself. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> it's it's either it's either c- 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 cut it out or c- c- get out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you for sharing that too. We now in the structure of the podcast, we we move we keep mm-hmm. in the clearing, we move away from the mm-hmm. tree. You've been implying this anyway, but now we're going to talk mm-hmm. overtly about alchemy and gold. When you, yes. Genevieve Grant Thompson, are at purpose and in flow, what is the alchemy and the goal that you are here to bring?
1: I feel like it is something to do with allowing the truth to come to the surface. Um, if it's with people... And this is interesting because I, you know, I coach people and I love working with people. And in some ways I love what human beings are, but I also kind of hate them <laughs> <laughs> because of probably what they're not and how they exhaust me, you know, they regularly break your heart with what they're not doing that they could do. Um, so I get maybe the, the goal that I'm that I'm bringing when, when I'm in the zone probably what happens is the people around me come into their own power they flourish they grow they evolve they 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 certainly they cease acting from victimhood or um, doing everything they can to protect themselves from their discomfort and they they operate from a space of trusting their own life a bit more.
0: That's it. So it makes complete I sense about it... about the whole holistic yeah. approach, the somatic approach. It's not just one thing. It it's about yeah. the the whole person, the bigger fix. Even though we're in you know, without getting into political stuff, the world has become so binary in a way that's been incredibly challenging and toxic, you know, whether it's COVID, Schmovid, yeah. Trump, Schmum in Biden, Schmiden, all that stuff. And so yeah. I'm really yeah. i really not trying to get too deep into that, but but to keep a sort of constant um pulse majestic a beacon of of somatic help in the communities in which you find yourself and the spaces you find yourself mm-hmm. and the clearings you find yourself in is a wonderful yeah. purpose i would say just to reflect that back to you yeah
1: absolutely well, and it, and it, it, it reminds me of a very simple lesson i was given probably from my mother actually um any space that you go into you should leave it just a tiny bit better than how you found it yeah, otherwise don't... what are you doing there
0: don't fart and leave, and not fess up to the fact you've just farted.
1: <laughs> Brings a air freshener with you, you know. Like. Yes.
0: <laughs> and by the way, you just mentioned your mother there, and if I may, just because you have majored so much on your father, I'm, I'm slightly yeah. concerned for you that she'll be end up being an unsung hero. So just big up your mother for me for a moment. So, so um, tell tell me just a little short sort of vignette about the awesome. Well, of your I mean,
1: the thing that. My-
0: have I? Have you lost me? Can you hear me? Start? No,
1: it, it, it stuttered a bit. And uh, I think Zoom heard me say stutter and it's now showing that it can stutter too.
0: But... Yeah, so do you need the question again or are you there?
1: You want me to pick up my mum. Well, yeah,
0: just because you've mentioned so much about your dad and you've mentioned your mum in yeah. passing, just yeah. anything you'd like to tell us about your mother?
1: Well, the thing is, my father, in in my mythology of it, my father was the bombastic one that had... That did outrageous things, um, but my mom was the one that created the the, the structure that made it all possible.
0: Right? Oh, I love that.
1: So,
0: so Sorry, like, I Papa just...
1: comes, comes home with the lion cub and says, "We're going to bring this lion into the family," and Mom's like, "Okay, fine," and goes about the business of making sure that everyone is safe and fed. And um, and she said she was the one who said yes. You know, she was the one who said yes to everything, and and then proceeded to make it possible.
0: I love that yeah. the sort of the word that you didn't say, which was occurred is the idea of in the time that you, you know, obviously your mum and dad didn't end up together in the end, but the constancy is is something that helped you in yeah. your development. Lovely. So now we absolutely. move to- Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Um, she's, she's, she's why
0: we Beautiful. I'm just letting that hang there with that lovely silence of, of knowledge. Um and we're now and am I still stuttering by the way or is it is it okay the Zoom connection we've got can you hear me okay
1: It seems good yeah I yeah. think there's a slight delay
0: but it seems good So now we're still in the clearing and we're coming to award you with a cake uh, Genevieve Grant Thompson and it's your opportunity to put a cherry on the cake and this can be open to interpretation as the final metaphor within the clearing it can be the best piece of advice you've ever been given a favorite inspirational mm-hmm. quote and we can also get really existential on your ass, uh, inspired by all the worlds of stage and all the men and women merely players. Uh, how would you most like to be remembered? You know, you can open this up. So, so how would you like to leave us as your invitation to the legacy of this conversation?
1: There's two bits to it. One, I am not interested in being remembered. I am interested in people taking whatever i give them so into themselves that they think it was their own idea so if they forget that it was me that taught them that but they remember that they felt good when they were around me might be nice but more that it that they're actually living whatever we discovered when i was helping them the the best piece of advice that i was ever given that I pass on um, was one day, and again, this is from my father, um, but I've heard it from other people in, in, in various ways. One day I was on the phone with him talking about living in other spaces, England versus Baltimore versus New York, and trying to figure out who I am and trying to find spaces where I get to be who I want to be and how spaces change you. You know, you don't. The environment that that you're in certainly affects who you are. So we talked about that for a while, and then we talked about other things, and then it was time to get off the phone. And I was about to put the phone down. Okay, I love you, Papa. Bye-bye. And just as I was putting the phone down, he called my name Genevieve, in the way that parents can when they sort of, you know, get your attention.
0: Yank your collar. Yes,
1: sir? Yeah, exactly. Genevieve, yes, sir? Always be exactly who you are.
0: Beautiful. And as you were talking there, you reminded me of the quote that I may have even heard for the first time through your lips because it ended up being almost like a final slide on lots of stuff that I started to tune into was the idea of the Mm -hmm. the Maya Angelou quote, which is people never remember what you say, but they always remember how you make them feel. And if I may, you're you're a really beautiful exponent of that, too, I would say. Thank you. Thank you so much for blessing us with your presence here in the clearing. Um, if you want to find out more about Genevieve Grant Thompson on the old interweb, uh, the beautiful nomad that you are, there is the Internet, though, that can reference you. So, so where would we yeah. go to find out more about you, to connect with you if we want to?
1: I just have a tiny little website called uh, GenevieveK.com and it tells you a little bit about me and how to get in touch. That's and the easiest a- way.
0: Genevieve K.com. And what does the K stand for? Catherine, of course, isn't it? Catherine, yes. (coughs) Genevieve K.com, and excuse my cough there. And um, absolutely delicious and beautiful. Thank you so much for um, gracing us with your presence, as I said, here on the Good Listening To podcast. Is there anything else you'd like to say?
1: I think you're wonderful, Chris, and I love what you do in the world.
0: Oh, I wasn't fishing for anything but thank you
1: that's all right
0: that's what i want to say it's genuinely what i want to say a glt with me cg and good night you've been listening to the good listening to podcast with me chris grimes if you've enjoyed the program then please do subscribe on all the usual channels there's also a dedicated facebook group for the program too and i'm hosted on buzzsprout If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do. And then on Twitter and Instagram, at thatchrisgrimes. Also, if you'd be interested in having some coaching from me to help you level up your confidence, your personal impact or your brand, then contact me via email, chris at secondcurve.uk. So until next time, thank you for listening and goodbye.